0: It's our privilege to make these messages available to you. We pray that the Word of God will richly bless you. So let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Matthew chapter 11, this morning we're still studying the subject of the heart. Has this series been helping anybody? Last week we talked about the bruised and broken heart and how the bruised and broken heart always leads to the offended heart. And I just want to say this as just a, you know, a participant and a, an observer in, in our society, in our nation, is I've never seen a, a time in our nation when there's been more offense. Just people just offended. I mean, just rock-throwing, mad, mean. Uh, I mean, you see it in politics and entertainment and just about every area. It's just And, you know, that need not get in the church. I said, that need not get in the church. And so, you know, we have to guard our hearts. That's one of the the, the, the main jumping off scriptures that we used over in uh, Proverbs chapter four. You know, it says, guard your heart with all diligence uh, for, for out of it are the issues of life. Listen, you've got to be a continual, constant guard over your life. In every area of life and its endeavors, you've got to guard yourself. And in doing so, you'll be protected by the Holy Ghost, by the Spirit of God. But listen, he won't, he won't access anything you don't give him access to. You need to let him access your mind, amen? I, I mean, I've let him access everything from my mind to my diet. And when God got in my diet, I almost got offended. He gave me Leah, and when, when I married Leah, she came up with all these strange foods. You know, she's a Cajun, and they eat just about everything that moves or doesn't move. And I, I grew up, a, you know, meat, potatoes, and d- dessert. You might know what I'm talking about. And uh, she started talking strange words, salad, uh, uh, artichoke, and avocado, and broccoli. And I just, I'm like, what? Are you speaking in some foreign language or something? Uh, and you know, I eat all that now. You say, why, because I gave God access, I was a tea drinker, and don 't go out there and stop drinking tea because of me because God gives everybody personal you know conviction, and personal conviction is unique to every person. but I was a tea drinking fanatic I mean I drank anywhere from a gallon to a half a gallon of sweet tea every day, and then if I went to a restaurant i 'd probably drink three or four glasses. And one day I reached into the refrigerator and was getting a picture of tea. She used to make me a pitcher of tea. When she would leave, she had her business here on the island. And she'd make me a picture of tea and then leave in the morning. And I'd drink that whole thing by the time she got home. And I was reaching in to get it one day. And the Holy Ghost said, don't you ever drink it again. And I'm like, yeah, right. You know? And he spoke to me and said, don't you ever drink it again. And I said, well, you know, you, better, you have to help me do that. And so I drank, you know, a little bit. And it came to the point where I could not even put it in my mouth. I couldn't even do it. Then he got my Dr. Peppers. I still got root beer left, you know, I guess. And every once in a while when he's not looking, I'll sneak in a big red. But don't tell him that, amen. But those are personal convictions, amen. So you've got to learn to follow God in every area of your life. And if you'll do that, God will bless you, help you stay healthy, Healthy, you'll prosper, be in good health even as your soul prospers. Amen. But now, we're going to get in, if I was to title it, actually I did title this, this is called Healing the Offended, Broken and Bruised Heart. We want it healed. Amen. We want all of that stuff in our heart uh, that, that no matter what it is, if it's, not, if it's not good for our heart, we want it healed. Uh, somebody sent me a, uh, something this week. I found it very interesting as I read it that even in the physical heart, when a heart is transplanted, they've done some studies in which people that have transplanted hearts feel the emotions and even have some of the same memories of the people that, uh, and who, whose heart they got. Now, isn't that strange? That the, the, the natural heart, the the, the, uh, the physical heart, but could be so connected to the heart of heart of man. That's amazing. Now, uh, you know, to be offended or the word offend, uh, you know, I've always just thrown out a, a very general definition of what it means to be offended. Got it out of Strong's Concordance years ago, taught on it for years. But, but actually, I went in and, and began to study it a little deeper because in our church, this type of church, which is unique uh, in Christianity, which would be an independent charismatic church, these churches are very unique for people coming and going. Now, now, people like Maggie that we just prayed for is a great illustration of people coming and going the right way. Coming and going and getting what God says do, uh, they need uh, to help them grow. And we certainly watch Maggie grow and become the, the beautiful woman that she is here. And then God has something else for her. We agree with that. She agrees with that. The Holy Ghost agrees with that. And everything's done right and in order. But now there's a whole lot of people in a whole lot of churches that that hasn't happened that they've left churches, gone here, gone there, and they're just offended and their hearts are bruised and broken and things have happened to them. Well, God still loves you. God still cares about you. God wants you healed. But listen, sometimes it's a fight to stay. Yes, amen. Instead of fighting to leave, you have to fight to stay. I know that. I've experienced that. I've gone through that. But the good thing is, if you'll do that and guard your heart, you'll always leave the right way, and you'll always leave unoffended. We've said this for years, and I found this out when I was on, in the field ministry years ago. Churches like this, everybody that's supposed to be here never shows up because there's so many people that don't come anymore because they get offended. And that offense, the problem with offense, it forces you not to walk in love. It hurts your love walk. And when you don't walk in love, your faith doesn't work. Because faith works by love. Amen? So I got this, I, I just went to my, you know, collegiate dictionary, my, all the other things that I had, all the resources I have. And, and, I, and I studied the word offense, but also to offend. Now, to offend. To cause a person to feel hurt, angry, or upset by something said or done. To, to transgress moral or divine law. To violate to cause difficulty or discomfort, to cause dislike and anger. Now let me just say this. There is enough pain out in the world. Now let me say it again. There is enough physical pain, mental pain, financial pain, relationship pain out in the world. You don't need pain in church. Church should be the place where you come to get your pain healed. But so many people come to church and leave in pain. And many times it's not anything that happens to them. They've just picked up in their heart a type of mentality that's very subject to offense. Now, I had to deal with this as, as, a, as a young Bible school student. And in many areas, I, I went to a Bible school. There's about 120 students. And and listen, I was not what I am today in Bible school. I was very uh, shy, I, I, even though I knew uh, we knew the Osteen family since the early 60s and everything. And Brother Osteen would always come and greet me and ask me how I was doing. And, and I'd already preached a few meetings and done a few full gospel businessmen meetings. In uh, Bible school, I was just kind of a shy guy. I just kind of sat there minding my business. I knew the guy next to me he became a missionary to Guatemala I supported him in his ministry as long as he was there him and his wife have since retired and, and, and just you know just, just uh, was just, just there to get what I needed from God Amen. I didn't prophesy. I didn't pray I didn't look to do any of that kind of stuff. And uh, 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 another group of people were very spiritual. I mean, they're very spiritual, and they were all you know, ever service to every ever ever class that want to have a prophecy or this or that, and, and a word or pray this or that. And one time I, I, I was this was in this was in October of the year. And I was coming to coming to Bible school, and it seemed like it was like a Tuesday or Wednesday. And I pulled up. I drove a big old Buick, and I when I drove up, two or three of these guys they were you know real spiritual giants were there and as, as, as I got out of my car they looked into my back window and in my back window was a camouflaged hunting vest uh, you, you know, anybody know what I'm talking about you see them at the sporting goods stores and stuff like that there's just a vest with camo and you put shells in it and then you put whatever game you're hunting in the in the back it's called a, a game vest I guess they call it and so I had one in the back and and it was back there and he looked and he said what's that? And I said, well, that's, that's my dove hunting vest. And he said, what? And I said, that's my dove hunting vest. And he said, your dove hunting vest? What do you mean by a dove hunting vest? And I said, well, yesterday I was, you know, after school, I was down uh, where I live in Galveston down the island hunting doves. He said, you killed a dove? I said, no, no, I killed 15. Well, you know, they thought I had assassinated the Holy Ghost. And, and I'm telling you, man, they got, I don't know. I, I mean, by the end of the day, there was a group of them gathered, and they would look at me. And they would stare at me. And they would, you know, you could hear, mm, when you go by. And nobody, none of them greeted me anymore. None of them said hello to me anymore. None of them would, you know, I'd see them in church. Hey, what's up? They'd just walk by me, kind of look the other way. And I was ostracized. I was like, oh my God. And listen, I had to make a decision right then on how I was going to respond to that. And I knew, listen, I knew offense, it was rising up in me. And I could feel it. I could, it, it, it would it bruise me on the inside. They didn't know me, they didn't know none of that. They didn't know all that stuff. And let me just help some of y'all. I still hunt doves today. And I hadn't killed the Holy Ghost. The Bible says it came down in the form of a dove, didn't say it was a dove. And we love them, amen? I mean, they're tasty with black-eyed peas and wild rice and some honey biscuits. Woo, glory to God. And then it's scriptural. You say, it's scriptural to hunt doves? Yeah, the Bible says every good and perfect thing cometh down. Amen. But I had to make a decision. I felt violated. I felt victimized. And there was something rising up in me that somehow by the Holy Ghost, I knew this was gonna cause me, if I listened to that and I responded to that and I took that offense, it was gonna cause me to stumble and fall at the very beginning stages of my ministry. And you know, I just made a decision to be sweet and to be nice. And I just kept saying hi and they kept looking at the ground. And I kept saying thank you, Lord, and they just kept looking at the ground. And I just kept staying happy and they just kept looking at the ground. And at the end of the year, we went on a mission trip to Mexico to Monterey, Mexico, and they had a had a had a large church, King of Kings. How do you say King of Kings in spanish That's the name of the church large church that's why I have all the Spanish people in here to help me with that kind of stuff, Amen. And, and, uh, and so, you know, they split us up into, into little groups and they had a sign up sheet and you could sign up to preach or sign up to work, walk, uh, work in the altar, sign up to do this, sign up to do all this kind of stuff, you know? And so there was only one little slot left at the bottom and it said, drive the bus. So I signed up to drive the bus. And so we're taken off to Monterey, Mexico. And the director of the school, brother Dennis Key leaned over and said to me, he said, pastor Osteen wants me to tell you that you're the only one that's supposed to preach. And I'm like, oh, my God. Well, see, Brother Osteen had been watching me see how I was progress. He knew I was called to the ministry. And when I got there and Brother Key announced, now Brother Rusty's going to be the one doing the preaching, everybody went, oh, the dove killer? But if I'd have got offended, I'd have never made it to Monterey, Mexico. I'd have never made it through school. And listen, those kind of things come up in our lives almost every day. And so we've got to make a decision not to be violated, victimized, or caused to stumble or fall. Now, let me get over here on the offense side. Offense, that which is wrong. Offense is it's always wrong to be offended and improper. An act of stumbling, the act of displeasing, the state of being morally outraged and insulted, a breach of moral or social law. Now, this is really interesting. As I begin to study this, I didn't write all this down because it was a lot of information. There is a... I don't know if you understand languages, but languages have movement. You know, there. Are, how many remember when you used to could say gay? And everybody was happy. Now it's changed. Now that's, the, that's called the movement of language. That's how language moves. And that's the only illustration I could come. I'm sure there's other things that we say, that we used to say didn't mean the same. Now, that's called the movement of language. Now, isn't it, isn't it good you got such a smart pastor? The word offense... There's movement in the word offense over about a hundred year periods till now there is a term that we use in sports. When a team is aggressively moving down the field, a football team, they're on what? They're, they're going to what? They're going to a goal or they're going to score. Now, the reason that offense has moved into that. we you talk about, you know, a boxer being on the offense. Uh, the basketball team, they're, they're, they're going down to make a shot. They're on the offense. The, the football team is on offense. You got to keep the offense on the field, you'll win. The reason that word has moved like that is because of the root of the word offense, meaning to continue to push forward toward a goal. So what offense does in your life, it pushes forward toward a goal. You say, what do you mean by that? It literally gets into your life by the adversary, by the enemy. And when it does, he goes on the offensive because you have opened the door to offense. Now, remember, your faith always works best when you're on offense. When you're out there pushing toward the goal. Not just trying to recover from everything you get yourself into using faith. But you're out there pushing toward that healing, pushing toward that financial breakthrough, pushing toward that ministry God has put in your heart. You're pushing toward it, pushing toward it. You're on the offense. That keeps the devil with his heels in the wrong direction. That keeps him on the defense. That's the way you want to keep your adversary. But what the adversary wants to do is he wants to go on the offense And the way he goes on the offense, and I've seen it in people's life, it it would affect their marriage, it would affect their ministry, it would affect their finances, it would affect their physical health. And all it is is just a stinking offense where they feel like they have been violated, victimized, they've been caused to stumble or fall, and when you dig away and pull away all the layers, there's nothing there but a lie. There's nothing there but something that the adversary put there to destroy them. Now, as I begin to meditate and read on this this week, the, uh, a couple of things I wrote down, I'll read this, then we'll get into it. I'll tell you, turn to Matthew 11. That's where we're going to start. Matthew 11. We got some time, so we're going to, is this okay if we work on this this morning? Because here's one or two things it'll do. It'll help get you delivered from that so you can get on with your life spiritually, or it will vaccinate you and inoculate you so you'll never get offended again. Now listen, from that time on in Bible school, I've never been offended again. I've had opportunity and temptation to be offended, but I hadn't taken it. I just hadn't taken it. And you can get to the place in your life where you're just unoffendable. Where it just really doesn't matter what they do, what they say, what has happened. You're just not offendable any longer. But I've also noticed that, this, if you can be offended, the enemy will get you offended. That's why we're teaching on these matters of the heart. Now, a broken, bruised heart left unattended will become offended. That's why I deal with it at the root cause, the root state. Somebody disappoints you, somebody hurts you, somebody says something, deal with it right then and there. Don't, don't brew, don't let it brew, don't let it percolate on the inside of you because what it's doing, it's brewing and it's percolating something that's toxic in you. Amen? I mean, I mean things that are toxic hurt all over. I mean, it just, they hurt your body. A broken and a broken, bruised heart left unattended. So attend to those things that that, that hurt you. Unattended will become, will cause you to become offended. Violated, victimized, or caused to stumble or fall. The problem in the church is the closer you get to the revelations of Christ and everything uh, and all of its benefits, the more subject you are to offense. Now let, listen to this. You come to church, you start finding out things you never knew before. I can actually be healed without having the surgery, without taking the medication. I can actually be healed. I can actually prosper beyond my paycheck by by tithing. You begin to find out, then you begin to find out even greater revelations than that of who you are. You have an identity change. You become in Christ. You no longer see yourself as male or female or white or black or Hispanic or Asian or any other. You only see yourself through the eyes of your loving Heavenly Father. You see yourself as the redeemed of the Lord. You see yourself in Christ. And the closer you get to that revelation and its benefits in your life, the benefits start happening. You actually end up getting healed. You didn't have to go to the doctor. You got healed. You actually had some money come in. You actually have this happen. Or ha- the closer you get to these things happening in your life, the more the enemy is going to try to trip you up. Yes, amen. The greater blessings that God has planned for you in between those blessings and where you are right now, the enemy waits in a trap to offend you, get you out of the move of God, get you out of faith, get you out of everything that God's doing in your life. That's his strategy. The Bible says to beware of the wiles of the traps of the devil. That means we can beware of them. Amen. Uh, 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 This example I came up with—it's amazing that God brought this back to the to my memory. Y'all remember? I always tell this story about this Czechoslovakian pastor that came to our Bible school. This church had handwritten Bibles. And those handwritten Bibles took years to write. Ten years is what he told our Bible school. And the the way they wrote it was, you know, uh, a guy over here would get John 3, 16, 17, 18, and 19 because he heard somebody preaching on the radio. Somebody over here would find a book or a tract, and they'd get Proverbs 3, 4, and 5, uh, chapter 6, you know. And people would come together uh, during the week after a service, and they would compare, how many scriptures did you get? How many scriptures did you get? I got this scripture. And so they'd all copy each other's scriptures, and over a period of time, they put them all in order and have handwritten Bibles. Now this is in the Czech Republic in the 60s, 70s, and into the early 80s. Remember the wall didn't come down to when? 89? And so this is in 1984. So he had come out. He had escaped out of Czechoslovakia and he's in our Bible school. He's telling all these great testimonies. But before he preached, he was introduced by Brother Osteen and he got up in the the pulpit and he stood there and it was real quiet for about 30 to 45 seconds. Kind of awkward. And then huge tears began to roll down his face. And drip off of his chin. Huge tears. And he just, he made this statement. He said, I don't understand. And he said it several times in very broken English. I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand how churches in America can be divided without the help of the police. Because every time a church was divided in Czechoslovakia, it was the police that did it. It wasn't. An offense. It wasn't an uh, innuendo. It wasn't a rumor. I mean, they were, they were so uh, in, in peril just serving God that, that none of that made any difference. They were just together as a body serving God. And so many churches are damaged. So many churches are hurt. And so many people leave their place because the enemy gets in and, and gets them literally offended and they become victims. And victim mentality, that's our, that's our whole nation right now. You go outside the church and it's comfortable to be a victim. But inside the church, God wants your heart healed and wants you delivered. An offended heart sees everything in life only from the angle or the aspect of that offense. An offended heart is very toxic, very toxic, it can affect you even though you never suffered the trauma of the event. Now, I remember when I first went into the ministry, especially in 1986 and 87, that's the years after Lee and I got married, our ministry was taken off, doors were open for us all over the place, and all of a sudden, the whole move of God just shut down. I mean, just shut down, like you took and stomped on the break. Uh, One of the most well-known preachers in the nation got caught in sin. And when he got caught in sin, it was national news night after night after night. Now the Bible says to us, now listen to me very carefully. The Bible instructs us in Galatians chapter 6 verse 1, that if a brother or sister is caught in a fault, that you that are spiritual must restore one in a spirit of meekness, lest the same thing come upon you. And listen, this man, who was probably one of the greatest crusade preachers of our generation, who got millions of people saved, his own denomination crucified him. The news media crucified him. And there were people that never knew him, never talked to him, never was around him, knew nothing about him, and they were so offended at him, they didn't know what to do. And that sin was retained into that denomination. And in that denomination, hundreds and thousands of pastors, their marriages ended up destroyed and they ended up in that same sin he was in because anybody you don't walk in forgiveness and love toward, you retain their sin. It comes back and sticks right on you. Now you've got it. That's why you've got to forgive and walk in love. Now, offense is the number one reason for victim mentality. I found this obscure scripture and it took me a while. The, the Holy Ghost literally led me to this and it took me a while to figure it out. Now listen to this. This is in the Amplified. This is Ecclesiastes 10.4. Don't turn there. Just write it down and go look at it later. And this is how it reads in the Amplified. A wise man's heart turns him toward his right hand. A fool's heart his left. Now ain't that a simple scripture? Now, I thought, I looked at that, and the Lord had shown me, I said, what do you mean? And the Lord spoke to me, and he said, a fool, a person who is offended is acting foolish. And what this scripture is saying, that a wise man's heart will turn him toward his right, that's speaking of right-handed people, amen? If you're left-handed, then we'd read it like this, a wise man's heart will turn you toward your left hand, if you're left-handed. A wise man's heart will turn him toward his strength. It will turn him toward toward his greater gifts. It will turn him toward his abilities that are righteous. It will turn him the right way. But a fool, especially when it always turns him to his baser nature, it always turns him to his to to, to the things in his life that are not that are not positive but negative, that, that are not strength but weakness. Are you getting me? And that's exactly what the enemy wants you to do. He doesn't want you leaning towards your right hand if you're right-handed. He don't want wants, wants you leaning towards your left hand because now you're vulnerable to all the weaknesses of your life. Now, when you understand that, you understand an offended heart will magnify every weakness in you and suppress your strength. And I tell you, that's a terrible place to be as a believer. Now, did you find Matthew 11? Let's start there and we'll come back. Is this helping anybody? Matthew 11, verse 1. It came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John, everybody say John. Now that's not John the Beloved, that's John the Baptist. Everybody with me? That's John the Baptist. When John had heard, now now if you're you're taking notes or underline underline these three words, In, in the prison, now notice, in the prison, the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples, listen to his question. And he said, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Now listen, Jesus answered and said unto them, Go show John, again, those things which you do, hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have the gospel preached to them. Now notice this, verse 6, And blessed is he, that word blessed is the word empowered. Blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me now that's where i used to get my definition of the word offense studying that word in the greek literally means to violate to victimize to cause to stumble or fall now 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 if i would have been a a, uh just a pilgrim back then and gotten gotten you know baptized in john's baptism remember his ministry he was prophesied by isaiah as the voice of one crying in the wilderness you with me? That's part of his identity. Then he had revelation. Everybody say revelation. His revelation was what? Behold the Lamb of God. He taketh away the sin of the world. I baptize with water, but there's one coming after me whose shoe latchet I'm not worthy to tie. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Now, not only that, he specifically points this individual out Upon the day of the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ. When John witnessed the Holy Ghost coming down in full measure baptismal form upon him in the, in, in the likeness of a dove lighting. Are you with me? So if I would have went to John's meeting, got baptized, been there and saw Jesus, seen all that take place and I started following Jesus and I ate some bread and fish and it was a miracle. Saw a blind person get healed. Saw somebody dead raised and I'm all happy and then some way I get thrown in prison and I'm in there with John. And so I'm listening to John talk and John's saying, I don't know. I don't know about all that. I don't know about that guy Jesus. What do you think, Rusty? See, the one that should come, Should we look for another. I don't know. Well, if I had any sense, this is what I'd say. John! John, aren't you the one that told us that he is the Lamb of God? Aren't you the one that told us he is the one that will baptize us with the Holy Ghost and fire? Aren't you the one that told us all these things? Why are you questioning your revelation? Why are you questioning because what did this revelation do? His revelation gave him his identity. Your revelation gives you your identity in the spirit. If you know you're in Christ, if you know you're the righteousness of God in Christ, if you know you're the healed of God, if you know you're the prosperous of God, it doesn't matter what your circumstances are, but it's your identity. The devil will never tear it from you and circumstances will never convince you that it's not true. You'll just know you're in a fight and you need to use faith. Now the first time I read this, I saw something. He was in prison. So I did some study on the, on, the, on the circumstances around him getting into prison. And I found out this prison was where? You might know, I know. ever study why, how John got beheaded in a, it's in Jerusalem. What is Jerusalem? Jerusalem is a city. Who is John? According to Isaiah, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. So offense, what did Jesus say? Blessed are those who will not be offended in me. The first thing Jesus did was to identify it. You hear what's coming out of that prison? You hear what, what's coming out of John? That's offense. Do you hear that, my disciples? That's offense. That's what it sounds like. That's what it looks like. That's offense right there. So he's identifying it to his disciples. Now, John, as long as he stayed in the wilderness, which was his place, everybody say his place. His place. That was his plan. As long as he was in the wilderness, buddy, he's flowing. He's growing. He's prospering. He's blessed. He's he, he's covered. He's protected. He's got all the grace and mercy he needs because he's doing what he's supposed to do in the place where he's supposed to be doing. So the number one goal of the enemy's offense in people's life is to do what? Get you out of your place. And get you out of your place. And get you out of your place. Because why? When you get out of your place, you get in a prison. What a prison? Prison is bondage. Lock you up. And then, in the prison, now he's in the prison, he begins to question his identity. Well, I don't know about this guy, Jesus. I would have said, if I would have been in the prison, I'd've, even if i had been in chains, I'd have kicked down John. John, my goodness, wake up. You're offended. Amen? Sad to say, he probably went to to his death offended. Sad to say, that's probably what happened to him. Notice what he did. It cost him his life. But now Jesus said, blessed are those who are not offended in me. Now, you've got to go through some translations to actually figure that out. But you know what he's saying? He's saying, you are empowered when you don't get upset at the way I choose to do things. And I'm telling you, church, that is a difficult thing to do is to let God be God cause in every area of life and every every one of life's endeavors we've always got our way. And we pray for God, God, we need this miracle. God, we need this breakthrough. God, we need this blessing. God, we need this. God, we need that. And God says, "Okay, okay, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. But I'm going to give it to you my way." Amen? I'm going to give you I'm going to give you you know what? I remember I was believing God for a wife. Had in my mind what I wanted. What brand? What flavor, you know? And it's amazing. As a single evangelist, oh my goodness. Every pastor's wife had someone for me, you know? And they'd parade them out, usually with their kids. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that, amen? But I just were like, oh my God, my God. Then you get around other preachers and people that think they know by the Holy Ghost. And you're like, oh my God. And so God had a way to bring Leah into my life, which for the most part I kicked against, I just kept. You know, we just had Valentine's Day. Can I tell that testimony about the Valentine's Day massacre? <laughs> <laughs> I wake up on Valentine's Day, nineteen eighty-six. I wake up on Valentine's Day, and you know, I'm 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 in the ministry. I'm out of Bible school. I, uh, I've got meetings. I've got this and that. And I'm praying. I'm praying. And the Lord speaks to me and says, "Send Leah Maggison a rose." And I'm like, "Why?" I'm like, why? Send her a rose. And so I said, okay. And I just obeyed God. And I kept thinking, why? Why? And so I went and bought one rose in a bud vase. And what did the card say? From your friend, Rusty. From from your friend, Rusty Martin. And sent it to her. But see, I did not know on Valentine's Day, that same day, because the Lord had spoken to her in an audible voice that I was to be her husband. And she never, she never told anybody, never said anything. She just kept believing God. But that day she was frustrated. She needed God to show her that she'd heard from God. She needed God to do something in her life to prove to her she was on the right track. So she's praying that prayer in her office at her business and there comes a knock on the door. And there's a florist with a bud vase and a rose that said, from your friend, Rusty Martin. <laughs> and through miraculous circumstances, on August the 9th of that same year, we walked down the aisle and we got married. And it did not happen the way either one of us thought it was going to happen. Yeah. How did it happen? God's way. Amen. And God will do things in your life. And if you do not see his sovereign hand upon you in doing those, you're gonna end up offended and you're gonna get out of your place and you're gonna end up in the prison and you're gonna be questioning the very revelation that gives you identity. That is the ultimate goal of your devil is to go on an offensive against you because you are offended. Amen? Now, real quick, go 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 to Mark. Mark chapter four. Is this helping anybody? Mark chapter four. So everybody say, I will not get offended at the way God chooses to do things. Now, we talked about the bruised and broken heart leading to the offended heart. Now, John was offended. You can't deny that. Jesus labeled him. He said he's offended. He said he's offended. Blessed are those that are not offended me. He is offended. Now, I don't know. Bless his heart. I can't wait to hang out with John in heaven and during the millennium, whenever else we can hang out. But could he have had an expectation in him of being chosen as a disciple? You know, Jesus chose 12, but he didn't choose John. Could have, John? could John, no, no, I'm just, I'm not saying God's ever given me some big word or some revelation or anything on that, but I'm just through meditation, I begin to think, Now, now, as John begin to see Jesus come into his own, as John begin to see Jesus come into his ministry, begin to see signs and wonders, and then begin to see him to go to Galilee and choose some, choose some disciples there, and choose a tax collector, and choose somebody with a very dubious reputation like Judas Iscariot, and then think to himself, this guy's making some mistakes here, buddy. I know that guy. I know them fishermen. I know that guy. Why hasn't he chosen me? I'm holy. I'm righteous. I'm doing the will of God. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. Could that have bruised his heart? To have not been chosen as a disciple. Which caused him to do what? I'm going to tell you what he did. He preached the wrong message to the wrong person at the wrong time and I do not believe in any stretch as being a student of the word of God for almost 33 years now I do not believe it was the will of God for him to be beheaded listen God doesn't come to steal kill and destroy I believe it was the will of God for John to transition right into a New Testament prophets ministry to be right there in the upper room on the day of Pentecost and to lift his hand and that flame of fire come down upon his head and to be filled with the Holy Ghost and to take off into the world preaching the gospel I believe that was the will of God, but that never happened. Now we get over to Mark 4. For, for time's sake, let's just start with verse 16. This is the parable of the sower. Jesus had already taught on the, uh, those that are by the wayside how the devil steals it. But listen to this, stony ground. Everybody say stony ground. Stony ground. These are those likewise which are sown stone on, stone on stony ground who when they have heard the word immediately receive it with gladness. Everybody say Gladness. And have no root in themselves, so endure it for a time. Afterward, now notice this very carefully. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the Word's sake. For the Word's sake. For the Word's sake. Immediately, they are offended. They are victimized. They're violated. They're caused to stumble or fall. Did you get that? Now, this is, this is not being offended the way God does things. This is being offended at the demand the Word puts on you studying agriculture you understand when a seed goes into the ground the seed puts a demand upon the ground the ground does not put a demand the ground doesn't say to the seed well you better grow no the seed goes into the ground and says to the ground i want your moisture i want your nutrients i want your minerals i want the light of the sun and if you'll give me this i'll give you life are you with me That's the same thing that the Word does. Now, the Bible says there are those that have what? Stony ground. Now, the thing all of us have areas of our lives that are stony ground. Nobody's perfect. But if you've ever seen stony ground, you ought to notice there's always plants coming up through it. Most of them aren't worth anything. Amen. Amen. So you come to Island Church and you hear teaching on the Word of God. Like, like, something everybody can relate to is, is finances. So, so you start hearing about tithing. You think, tithing, oh yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, uh, I, can't. I don't know if I can do that. And then you keep hearing it, keep hearing it. And then you think, well, I'm going to go study that. I'm going to go look in the Word. So you look in the Word. And as you look in the Word and study it, the Holy Ghost gives you revelation. So you think, well, bless God, I'm going to do it. So you come and that first paycheck comes. You write your tithe check. You put it in put it in the offering. Then another paycheck comes. You write tithe check. You put it in offering. About the third paycheck, fourth paycheck. The wheels fall off your financial wagon. And you're like, my God, is this a curse? I should have never done that. I should have saved my. No, no. It's persecution and affliction arising for the word's sake. That means the enemy's doing everything he can do to offend you in that revelation. That's what he's doing. He is attacking. That's why God gives you authority to run them attacks off. And a lot of people don't ever run them off. They just allow themselves to become offended. And the Bible tells you why. It says they have no root in themselves. It didn't say they didn't have any root in the church. It says they have no root in themselves. Now this is, listen, this is why Brother Osteen used to teach us. You need to get this. You need to worship. You need to praise. You need to come to church. You need to hear what I'm teaching you. You need to hear the word. You need to pray every day. You need to study the word every day. You need to grow spiritually. You need to do it. You need to do it. You need to do it. Because the evil day is coming. Amen. So when you come to Island Church, and I'm speaking, one of the other ministers are speaking, a guest minister is speaking, they are feeding you out of their garden. You are eating, you're receiving seed. Now, that's all well and good for a period of time. But there comes a time in your life in which you must grow your own garden that you can eat out of yourself. You've got to get some root in yourself. You've got to let the seed of the word take up residence in you. Because I don't care how dynamic the pastor is, I don't care how dynamic the preacher is, they're still flesh and bone and blood. And there ain't nothing they can do for you except give you the word but you can take that word and you can plant it in the good soil of your heart and you can grow a healing crop. You can grow a financial crop. You can grow a peace, a joy, whatever you need, a healed marriage, a healed business, whatever you need. You can grow that crop of righteousness in your life and enjoy the benefits of it, but you've got an adversary out there that'll try to do everything he can do to stop you from doing it. So when the word puts a demand upon you and the number one area, oh my goodness. That the word will put a demand upon you is in your character. Because more than God is interested in your comfort. Now listen to me very carefully. More than God is interested in your comfort. He's interested in creating the character of Christ in you. And sometimes character is only created under pressure. Amen. I don't want to wear a diamond in its raw form. You know why? Why? because I can go down to Kroger and I can buy a whole bag of diamonds. And if I took one and put it on my finger, you know what it is, don't you? A piece of charcoal. But you take that and you put incredible amounts of pressure and time and you have a diamond. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And you think, why is all this pressure on me? Why is all this coming against me? Why is all this doing that? Why It's the enemy trying to offend you and in rising up against that offense, God is trying to form you, make you, and cut you into the diamond he wants you to be. Amen. So don't get offended at what God does. Amen? Or at the word. Now the third area. Everybody say the third area. Oh, this is the good one. Go to, go to 1 Corinthians 13 where Pastor Leah was. Pastor Leah and I, we, let, we read every translation we could find last night. And we even read the, the hippie translation. Amen. This is people. I heard somebody say one time church would be great if it wasn't for the people. <laughs> well, the church is the people. And I'm telling you, when you come together as the body of Christ, not everybody's your best friend. And let me just say this 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 may totally deliver some people here. You don't have to like everybody. I tell you, we exhaust ourselves to try to like somebody that's just unlikable. But that does not mean you can't love them. Amen. When people get your goat, I heard, who was it that preached the get you get your goat message? Tate. Ivan Tate preached a message called, he, he saw this in the spirit. These people have these goats hanging on them. You know what a goat is. And so people walk up and they get your goat, you know? <laughs> Anybody ever got your Goat. Well, if you have a goat, it can get (laughs) got. Because you're not a goat, you're a sheep. Amen. Amen? But there's, listen, there are people that just, it's like, you know, running your fingers down a chalkboard. And all of us are like that. And there's always people that God will put us around, not realizing that God puts us around those people to learn to walk in, not just, phileo or eros types of love, but in agape, the God kind of love. Now let me just say this, before we get into 1 Corinthians 13, the God kind of love is not connected to any emotion. I'm gonna say it several times because you need to hear this. The God kind of love is not connected to any kind of emotion. The God kind of love is not connected to any kind of emotion. The God kind of love is not connected to any kind of emotion. Because I'm telling you, there are things that, 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 that the other kind of love will just heal you. We, we were on our way to uh, Fire for the Nations about three years ago. Lee and I am Breland. I think Breland had a friend with her. And so it was Thursday before we were to leave on that Sunday afternoon. And Pastor Mark called me. And he said, Rusty, he said, our big old dog. They had a big old dog. What was it, Cherokee our big old dog, they found a cancerous tumor in our, in our dog. Now, this is Pastor Janet's baby. This dog is like seven or eight years old. And, 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 and they had to put that dog down. They had a party, fed him steaks, took him to the vet and had him put to sleep. Well, I got there and I looked at Janet and Janet was just broken. And I said, Janet, what you need to do is go get you a puppy. And she's like, I can never do that again. I can never get another puppy. I'm telling you, it just broke my heart. i just... so, I said, I'm telling you, Janet, you need to go get you a puppy. And so about a week after fall harvest, she called me up. We went and got, it was Cherokee, now it's, it's uh, they, they name them all these things. And they went and got them a puppy. And of all the trauma, that losing that one dog was, that puppy healed it all. As soon as they got it, they were all healed. Now, that's natural. That's natural. We've had that happen in our lives. But listen, supernaturally, the love of God in us that is not an emotion or a feeling, it's an action that we perform because we see it in the Word. And therefore, based on the Word, we refuse not to, we refuse not to, to to violate the standard of what the Word says, even though it may hurt us or cause us pain. We make a decision to walk in love. And the most important thing about that is this. In making that decision to walk in love, we are fueling faith. And you might, you might not give me many amens on this, but I'm telling you, this is, this is it. I've learned this by experience. Anytime there's a great challenge of faith coming to your life, you're going to have a great opportunity to walk in love. Yeah. Same thing for us as a church. When there comes a great challenge of faith, there's always going to be a great opportunity. You're thinking, the last thing I needed this time in my life was, there was this idiot coming into my life. and you, you meet somebody that's down and out and wants to text you and email you and this and that, and and, they, and they're all running. And God's saying, I want you to love them. I want you to love them. I want you to love them. And you think, I don't even like them. <laughs> Can't stand to be around them. You need to wake up and recognize this is God's way of giving you an opportunity to walk in love. Amen. Amen. So real quick, I, I'm over time. Can I finish this? Amen. I was going to finish it anyway. You gotta love me though, amen. So we chose the amplified. Everybody say the amplified. Because it's amplified. And I'm just gonna start in verse 4. Verse 4, of the Amplified Bible. 1 Corinthians 13. Love endures long. And just puts up with it. No, love endures long and is patient and kind. That's an act. That's not a feeling. Well, if I feel kind, I'll be kind. That will never work. Listen, how many love, you think about your life, of all the times you could have died, been messed up, all the mistakes you made, and there was something of God called grace in its simplest form, unmerited favor. In which you know you did not deserve it at all, but God did it anyway. Anybody ever experienced grace? God wants us to be men and women of grace, where we give people unmerited favor—those that don't deserve it, those that... Have, oh, it's easy to give it to people that earn it. Oh yeah, somebody do something for you. Oh yeah, yeah, I got you, buddy. Oh you won. That's the world, but that shouldn't be the church. In the church, we ought to be gracious to one another. That doesn't mean just putting up. That means being patient and being kind. Everybody smile. Kind people smile. Sometimes a smile can heal people. We're going to work on this next week too. Love is never envious, nor boils over with jealousy. Jealousy. It is not boastful or vainglorious. Does not display itself haughtily. It's not conceited, arrogant, inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly. It does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. For it is not self-seeking. Woo, my goodness. You know, one particular testimony... We went to Hawaii years ago. The Lord was stirring in our heart to do something there. And a door opened. And I tell you, it was, it was for two years, it was a great blessing. They helped me do meetings. Uh, they didn't believe it could work. They, they, they did not believe it could work. They, they didn't do, uh, they, they thought, man, this, this they, what do they call it? Halleys, white eyes. There's no way you can minister in this area of Hawaii. You know, all these people are all uh, pure Hawaiian or Hawaiian uh, Samoan, Hawaiian Filipino, Hawaiian Portuguese, but but you ain't going to come in here white as you are and do anything. Well, I just boldly said, well, if I schedule a meeting, will you do the praise and worship? They said, yeah, but ain't nobody going to come. I said, I'll send you the money, rent a venue. We'll do Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday morning. Walked into the venue, it's packed. Standing room only. And a move of God started. Well, after two years, those people packed up and went to Jamaica. And I'm I'm like, oh goodness, what are we gonna do? And the Lord said, go do your own meeting. Told me where to do it and how to do it. So we went. And we did a meeting. And on the the surface, it didn't look like it was successful at all. There were 30 of us, and I think we gathered another 30 or 35 local people. We met a pastor or two. But in the meantime, we're out doing street ministry. And I run into this, this, this pastor. And he's an old Riverside, California, heroin addict who got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. But he's still pretty hard and crusty. And he, I handed him a track and he said, who are you? And I told him, he said, what are you doing here? He's a Spanish span guy, Joe Solis, great guy, became, became one of our best friends. And he said, uh, he, he told me later, he said, I thought you were crazy. And I heard him tell this testimony, I wouldn't tell it. And I just told him who we were and, you know, told him what we were doing. And he looked, he looked at me and said, it'll never work. It'll never work. And so, you know, that, after that time, we were pretty discouraged. We were like, well, I'm, I don't know if we'll ever go back to that place, you know. And the Lord, all of a sudden, this other pastors that we had met, they scheduled us a meeting. We come back into that area of Hawaii and, and they rented the high school cafeteria and we packed that place out. And they, the, the solicits called and said, well, we can't be there. We've got a graduation. And kind of Because we had invited them. And they, well, you know, you don't understand how graduations are in Hawaii. They're big parties. They're big this. They're big that. And I noticed at about 7.30, 7.35, because graduation was at six, they came walking into the meeting. And the Holy Ghost fell on them. Boom. And in one of his meetings where he was speaking, we were doing a conference together. He got up and he said this. He said, man, that crazy kid from Galveston, Texas came here. And nobody ever thought he could do anything. But here's what he did. He kept loving me and kept loving me when I gave him no reason to love me. And now he has totally changed our church and the way we do ministry. And God visited that area of Hawaii with a 10-year revival. Because I chose not to get offended at him and walk in love toward him. And to not be self-seeking, but to seek the good of his church and what, six other churches that we worked with in that area. And to just, I'm telling you, it forced us. We would, took groups there. We were called crazy. What are you doing here? We'd walk up to people's houses, to men, and they'd kind of be all, you know, because they're, they're pretty, Makaha, that's where Makaha is. Anybody ever heard of the term? The word Makaha in Hawaiian means fierce. Fierce. And they were, they were fierce people. But I tell you, you start loving them with the love of God, and the love of God would just break them down. And many offended. Oh, many broken hearted. Many bruised hearts. We see God just heal them supernaturally because somebody chose to love them. And the same thing's true with you. Any area of your life that you need to be healed with offense, whether it's offended the way God does things, offended the the demand the word puts on your life, or offended people, you're going to have to walk in love because as you start walking in love, God slowly begins to release you from that prison. From that challenging of revelation. Is that helping you? Let me close. Let me close. Let me read the rest of it. Hold on, hold on. Here we go. Love. Everybody say love. love. It, it pays no attention to suffered wrong. It is not touchy, fretful, or resentful. Touchy, there's things that made you real touchy. Don't talk about money. I have such money. Please don't talk about. Don't talk about marriage. My marriage is so bad. Don't talk about don't. See, people get real touchy. Amen? Fretful? Looking to the future, no hope, resentful. Looking to the past, I wish I would have. Love covers it all. Love erases it all. Just takes it away. Amen? It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything. and everything that comes, is ever ready to believe the best of every person? Oh my God! Remember, what was her name? The Axe Murderess. Yeah. Carla, Carla, Carla Faye Tucker? Carla Faye. I was in College Station the week she was executed in Huntsville. Huntsville and College Station are close. they're so just a, a, a farm to market road that connects them. A lot of people were coming from, 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 from Huntsville to our meetings. And I'm telling there are people out there, kill her, kill her, kill her. There are other people out there, you know, don't kill her, kill her. But here's the thing. Somebody got to her with the word Amen. of God. Amen. And Carla Faye Tucker, the axe murders, became Carla Faye Tucker in Christ. Amen. And some people just couldn't buy into it. But in the prison, she got freer than she ever was outside the prison. Amen. And touched thousands of lives and died in such a state of grace. Closed her eyes and opened them in heaven. And there were Christians that couldn't buy into that offended that that some ministers would, would, would put their arm around her and have pictures taken with her. And, and uh, who was the football player that had the great, still does, Mike Barber was down there ministering to Kenneth Copeland down there. And people say, eh, they don't know what they're doing. With an axe murder, what are they doing? They don't know nothing. And God Healed that woman up, and, and her broken, bruised, and offended heart got healed, and she was a great witness, got many people saved in the prison, and went to heaven, and you'll be with her in heaven. And she committed a horrendous crime, and that's why she had to die, is because you can cross lines in which you are, it's demanded that you pay society. It's not right that she, was a, that she was executed. Yes, it was. Our governor had no choice. So many people got offended at our governor because of what he could not do. He could not reverse the, the court order. And it wouldn't have been right for him to do it. And she knew that. And she knew that. But so many people got offended over that. And it was a great act of the glove and the grace of mercy of God. And there are still people today. And every time I think about her, I don't think about her crime. Every time I tell her story, I don't talk about all that she's done. I think about how the love of God touched her life. And how grace came upon her and made her into somebody that she could never be without Jesus. Because love chooses to believe the best about every person. Amen? Now notice this. I'm, I'm through. To believe the best of every person, its hopes are faithless. Under all circumstances, it endures everything without weakening. That's why people, their faith gets weak. I, I'll pick this up next week. Love never fails, never fi- fades out, becomes obsolete or comes to an end. So Listen. This is going to take paying attention in your life and doing some heart, soul, heart searchings where you just say, Lord, I need you to turn your light on my heart. I need to find out if there's any offense in there. I need to find out if I'm bruised or if I'm brokenhearted because I want to walk in love and have you supernaturally heal my heart. And I'm telling you, God is so faithful to do that. He's so faithful to do that if you'll just let him if you'll just let him do it. So why don't you just for a moment close your eyes, lift your hands to the Lord and just like the song that the praise team sang so beautifully during the offering, tell him, here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. It may be bruised, it may be broken, we don't want it to become offended. Tell him, here's my heart, Lord. Search it. You know, David kind of said it like, like, like this. He said, create in me a clean heart and a right spirit. He must have had opportunity to have the wrong heart and the wrong spirit. He said, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. And God's doing a real heart change in us and in our church. That's why we're teaching on these things. And some things with the heart can be painful. Some some medical procedures hurt before the pain can be relieved. But if you will allow the Word of God and the grace of God and the love of God to permeate your being. No matter what has hurt you, no matter what has harmed you, no matter what has violated you or caused you to be victimized, caused to stumble or fall, you'll rise above that and the love of God will heal you up. And not only will you able to be healed up, you'll be able to heal others around you. That's God's will for your life. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We trust you enjoyed the message today.